Good morning. How is it going? Cody Jansen with you on 12 Ounce Sports. Wednesday, April 15th. Sports Talk Report Live. 12 Ounce Sports. Thanks for tuning in wherever you are watching from or listening. However it may be across all the social media network. Connect with us anytime. We're on Twitter at World Hockey RPT on Facebook, World Hockey Report. That's where you're able to find us. Connect with us. Let us know what's your thoughts, anything you're talking about. You got any questions, hit us up anytime. We're on Twitter at World Hockey RPT, Facebook, World Hockey Report. Alrighty, it's going to be a big show here today. Obviously, uh, a lot of things have gone on in the hockey world. It's been uh, terrible past week you know it was uh it was definitely shocking news for me and i mean i i don't want to have to put myself ahead of anyone because you know there, there's people suffering obviously a lot more with what's going on in the world but to hear the passing of colby cave that was a tough one that that really was i mean that's you know he played in swift for for four years captain the broncos he was there when i was playing legions so you know, got to know him a little bit through the hockey world, you know, whether that's house parties, summer skates, things like that. He was, he was just, he, he was one of those guys and it, it's, you know, you hear it so much, but he was one of those guys who just no one, no one said anything bad about, no one could say anything bad about him. He was a kid, you know, he showed up with a smile, loved the game, did things the right way. Yeah. Gone too soon. So our thoughts and prayers, everyone at World Hockey Report. I mean, me, Adam. That's you know, we're always thinking of them. It's a that was a tough one. That was a tough one, and I mean, I, I don't think anyone's over it. I don't think anyone's gonna get over that anytime soon. And you know, gone too soon. That's that that's really what it comes down to. The hockey world's faced a couple of you know tragedies in the past few years, and. Yeah, April, not a not a great month, especially. I mean, with all things considered, going on in the world, that was just, you know, a next-level thing for the National Hockey League. And, I mean, speaking of Saskatchewan, hey, everyone knows Saskatchewan people. They, you know, they just do things right. And it was a really cool scene to see what was going on outside of the Battle Fruits on Tuesday there. And, I, I mean, one of the guys that was definitely, you know, keeping everyone informed, keeping everyone in the loop on what was happening was Eric Grima. And so definitely thought that he deserved some recognition. And we're going to bring him on the show. 9.20 this morning here in about 15 minutes' time. The former Edmonton Oiler going to be hopping on World Hockey Report. We'll talk a little bit about that. Maybe we get some time at the end, ask him a couple of fun questions, maybe something about the, the Saskwest or Southwest Hockey League, I may add. It's always a, a, a classic time when you're playing in some of those old Saskatchewan barns. Really, really nothing like it. So, hey, we are going to talk Eric Griba at 9.20. Then coming up at 9.40, it's Rob Fay. We get an update from the West Coast. Always good to catch up there as well. See what's going on. You know what? Maybe we'll talk a little Canucks. I, I do got a couple of questions on him. We'll see. We'll get his point on what's happening around the the whole game, everything like that. Ask him what he's up to nowadays. Great guy, one of the best radio guys 
Definitely one of the best radio guys out in Vancouver. Gotta get the, the phone charged in here. Having a little bit of internet issues, so sorry. Depends on uh, where you are watching from. Could be some issues going on. We are working on that right now. To go back to the, the Colby Cave situation and everything that, you know, has gone on surrounding the hockey world. It's a, it's a tough thing when, you know, there, there, there's so many uncertainties and it, it happened so fast. It was less than a week. And, and all of a sudden you get that news and it's gut-wrenching, especially to, you know, be up here in the Edmonton area where this, yeah, it, it's terrible. It, it really is. It happens so quick and all of a sudden you, you, you kind of hear the news that, hey, you know, he's in a coma, he's fighting for his life. Well, things change drastically fast there. It's the end of the day. Thoughts and prayers are with him, his family, surrounding this time. We will get to a few other things here. Trying to work. Get a little internet problem here. Not a big deal. We will move on and survive. One of the big hockey news items that's come out of recent. Thought it was pretty cool. Maybe... Maybe cool is not the best word to use. But Florida did declare pro sports as an essential business, you know, essential item of life. And and for a lot of people, everyone's going, yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know the whole, the whole situation with COVID, coronavirus, and everything that's happening around the world. But for this to be going on in Florida, it's it's a little bit encouraging if you're one of those who, who wants the NHL to finish off playoffs, which I think most people are. I do think most people hope that the Stanley Cup can be handed out. But for the NHL, does this mean... I mean, I, I believe it's the WWE that kind of runs everything out of Florida. I, I could be wrong. Who knows? Probably am wrong. Whatever. Still. Florida has, I mean, basically said, hey, you can have them here. Uh, likely in front of empty stadiums or empty arenas. So, kind of what's expected. I don't think that they're really planning on, on playing in front of full barns. I don't see that happening till next season. I just don't. So, I asked the question, where would you rather have it? I, I probably shouldn't be too surprised, just knowing fan bases, knowing how people react here. And so, I, I, I posed the question. This is up on Twitter, at World Hockey RPT. I said, uh, where would you rather see the season finishing off? That's the BB&T Center, where the Florida Panthers play, or the Amelie Arena, where the Bolts play. Yeah, Tampa fans, coming out strong. Hey, we knew they're there. Every single time we talk about Nikita Kucherov, we got a billion of them down our throats. We knew they're there. There you go. 73% of you say the Amelie Arena over the BB&T Center. For Florida, it might be like a home game. Yeah. <laughs> Empty, quiet, nothing new. 
the bolts maybe a little bit different. It, it'll be interesting. I mean, a lot of a lot of good points brought up. I mean, how will they get there? This one's from Hunter Welcher. How will they get their international travels non-existent? Obviously, those are hurdles that they have to go through, but this is an essential business. You are allowed to cross the border. Not a genius, just using common sense here. Andrew Dewhurst says, I feel like you've had a better chance of social distancing at the BB&T Center. Kind of the joke I just used. Good one, Adam. Andrew, not Adam. Uh, Aladdin said, either one will be the most watched game ever, and that's included if they use Pierre. That's a hot take, but I, I, I like it, and I truly believe it, because I feel like, here's the thing. The NBA might get back first. The PGA Tour probably get back before all of them. But, I mean, if, if you kind of miss that first wave, I don't think it's going to be the most watched game ever. But all of a sudden, if the NHL is one of the first sports, pro sports, or, you know, major five sports, whatever you want to call it, to come back, yeah, that's going to be the most watched game for sure. Because it doesn't matter if you're a football, basketball, soccer fan. There's live sports on. You want in on the action. You're going to tune in. Rachel says, neither. SP says, man, Florida is so stupid. Well, I mean, are they, are they stupid? Are they careless? I don't know. I mean, call them whatever you want. End of the day, this is what they said. This is what they did. We're just posing the question. Um, Griff in your face says, wherever the solar bears play. I, I don't know why that's... You know, that's not an option. They're not going to go to an ECHL rink. It's not going to have the same facilities. You're going to have to house almost every single NHL team staff there. The ECHL opportunity, no. No, that's that's just not it. Mike Down says, also, I'm quite sure the NHL wants their stars wants their stars put at risk. I think the insurance liability would be out of this world. I think he's missing a couple of words in there. I don't, I don't know. I don't think they want to put their stars at risk, but obviously they're going to take measures. I mean, whether that's quarantine every every player for three weeks before staff, you know, minimizing contact, whatever it may be, they're going to take the measures. They're not just going to throw everyone on a rink and say, here you go, play it out. Scottus says Tampa Bay. It's getting hit much less there. I don't actually know how it is reacting in Florida, but hey, if he says that, maybe. Too much space says, LOL, who cares about Florida? Doesn't have an actual name on there, but he's a dad from Manitoba. And I think a lot of people care about Florida. I mean, hey, you know, nice spot. You want to go golfing? You want to go to the beach? Nice weather? Don't have to worry about a lot of snow? Not the worst place. Stephen Davis, who cares about what Florida declares? Is this the same Florida that insisted on keeping packed beaches open during March break? The season is finished. Just cancel it. Negative? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think the season's finished. I, I still think that there's plenty of time. There's no reason to, you know, rush anything back. Like, Am I going to say, oh, they're coming back for sure? No, I, I don't believe that they're coming back 100% guaranteed, and I don't think that they actually have to. But I think that if the right situation presents itself, are they going to? Yes, of course. And is this going to come down to, to a revenue thing? I, I really don't think so. When you think about the billionaire owners, they're, they're not 
I mean, yes, they're not going to be happy about losing playoff revenue, things like that. But end of the day, no one's losing their hockey team because of uh, a, a missed playoffs. No one is. There's enough revenue. There's enough of that sharing protocol that they've got to go around to keep the teams, to keep the league alive. I'm a firm believer in that. Pierre Lebrun, 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 holy good start here. Uh, said a reminder, the NHL is willing to delay the start of the next season until November in order to finish off this season if possible. Um, the NHL believes they can play a full season next year starting in November if they cancel the All-Star game by week and play playoffs into late June. Makes sense. I I don't think anyone's doubting it. I think the only the only concern or the major concern that I would have is if you you see games started to play playoff games in September. Now you're looking at such a quick turnaround for next season. Everyone knows playoff hockey's five times more intense. The injuries get worse. The recovery gets longer, harder, more necessary. That's what scares me is I, I don't want to throw away next season. I, I don't want to throw away this season either. But there's got to be a way. Maybe I'm not a traditionalist in saying that I don't need a seven-game series. I don't. I, I really don't care because everyone's going to be on the same playing field here. You can put an asterisk by it however much you want. Whatever you think you need to do, go for it. Does not affect me one bit. But what really needs to happen is I think they need to give out the Stanley Cup. And I get it. It's going to be weird. It is going to be just the most awkward situation when Gary Bettman gives the Stanley Cup to a team in front of an empty rink. There's no cheering from the crowd. But at least you finished it out. At least you played it out. I've said it before. March Madness bracket. That's my best guess that's my best opinion idea however you want to say it here's a here's an interesting one the sends gm pierre dorian says you know in the draft whatever you know whatever that may be they're ready they're more than ready for the draft and i mean that's because they got two high picks so if they're going number two and three I, we, we talked about this, it would have been last week or two weeks ago on this show. That top five offensively is absolutely electric. And so this, this is what Adam tweeted out. said picks two and three for Ottawa, uh, Stutzel and Byfield and Drysdale. Those are the three. Drysdale maybe a little bit lower. You know, solid defenseman was, you know, good at the World Juniors. But it... Right now, when you're scouting him, does he seem like he's a difference maker on a team? Or does he seem like he's a you know top-pairing defenseman? I really don't think so. Right shot defenseman, elite-level skater, hard to find. Now, are you thinking about it a little bit more? You, you probably are. I mean, Drysdale, great player, obviously. But are you going to pass up on, you know, Quinton Byfield? Stutzla. I, I think those are two elite scores. Adam thinks that Stutzla's cap's a 70-point guy. Byfield could be a 90-point guy. might take him a little bit longer to get there. Now, I don't disagree with either of those. I think Stutzla's ceiling's a little bit higher. 
looking at how much better his offensive sense was than everyone at the World Juniors. This included playing against Canada. This included playing against Russia. This included playing against the Americans. Uh, Stutzla's offensive IQ, his hockey ability, how you know him and Sider were to run that, just absolutely incredible. So if Detroit's going to be paying for that number one pick, did, would they pass up on Lafreniere to get Stutzla? Would they would they take Stutzla at number one, or would they try trade down with Ottawa and say, hey? Give us the number two or number three, but you have to leave us Stutzla. I don't know. I could see Eiserman doing that. Went off the board with Ritz Sider last year. Kind of shocked everyone. Worked out well for him. Be interesting to see. Anyways, lots to come up there. Hey, we got to hit a quick commercial break. One thing I did want to touch on is the Key family and the Oilers have created a Colby Cave Memorial Fund via Oilers Foundation to help carry on Colby's memory and legacy. All proceeds go toward mental health initiatives and access towards sports for underprivileged children. That link is up on our Twitter page. We retweeted it yesterday at World Hockey RPT. Please, please go check that one out. We're going to be back after the break with Eric Griba, former Edmonton Oiler, going to be talking Colby Cave, what happened in the Battlefords on Tuesday, and a lot more. This is the World Hockey Report on 12-Ounce Sports. We're back. It's World Hockey Report live coming to you on 12-Ounce Sports, of course. Show brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Use promo code 12OZSports when signing up. They'll match your deposit up to $1,000. Already joined now, former Edmonton Oiler, good Sasky boy, Eric Griba, joining us on this Wednesday. Eric, how's it going today? I'm uh, pretty good. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Where, where are you up to nowadays? Are you keeping busy? Uh, trying to. Here on the Eight Ridge in Saskatchewan, um, yeah, trying to stay busy. Um, that pretty much entails doing a lot of cooking and trying to spend as much time outside as possible. Hey, I mean, at least you're on the acreage, right? There's nothing worse than being cooped up in a city, and obviously, Saskatchewan, best place in the world to live. Got to give it to that. <laughs> Yeah, very true. Hey, uh, I mean, you know, one of, one of the reasons, you know, we, we really wanted to have you on and we appreciate you coming on is, you know, your, your connection with Caver. And it's been a, a tough week in the hockey world. Uh, walk me through, I mean, your, your connection with Colby and, uh, I mean, you know, going out to the Battlefords yesterday. You know, what, what was that like and what, what did you experience from your standpoint? Yeah, so I've, I knew Caver through summer training and, um, you know, we you know skate sometimes together or be in the same groups or sessions. Um, and also some local charity events and um, you know public appearances and things like that. Um, so I met him through that, um, and then yeah, the the whole Battleford uh, kind of memorial there was was pretty crazy. Um, I found out about it to through I think one of his second cousins um i knew i know her so she texted me and um see if i'd come out and so i brought my family we went we drove up and you know, took the hour drive and um yeah, it was pretty wild to see the amount of cars the amount of people there um you know showing their support to the family it was uh it was pretty special how many how many kilometers of vehicles did they say at the end they uh they say between 15 and 16 or maybe I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they hit, it was 20, 20K. Like, it was it was pretty wild. Um, 
the amount of cars and uh, and, and people were do, and practicing social distancing too. So it was, you know, all in all, it was a it was a, a really good good experience in such a you know crappy time. Now, I mean, obviously, you know, it's Cavers from Battleford. I know you played minor hockey in Saskatoon, but, you know, you know that small community feel. It doesn't matter if it's Kindersley, the Battleford, something like that. You know, if you've got someone with, you know, that, that big of an impact on a com- community like the Battlefords who obviously loves their hockey, uh, what, what was it like for you seeing, you know, Saskatchewan come together? Because, I mean, this is, this is just over two years after the, the Humboldt tragedy. Yeah, um, I, I'm not surprised that everyone came together like they did. Uh, you know, Saskatchewan's such a hockey close knit community to to begin with, um, and, and there's a, I think there's a couple you know different factors that that went into um, you know how it all went down. I think a big part was the people knew that there wasn't going to be you know a funeral or a public you know a public funeral or memorial because of COVID and all the social distancing. So um, I'm not saying that, you know, there wouldn't have been something like that, you know, for the show support for the family. But I think a lot of people saw that as their opportunity to show their support and, um, you know, show how much they looked up to Colby and how much they, um, you know, enjoyed having him as a part of their community. Now, I also think... Oh, sorry. uh, sorry, No, 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 keep going, keep going. And I also kind of... You know, it, all, it kind of had a, it kind of had, you mentioned, it kind of had that Humboldt community feel to it. Um, just how the community just really rallied um, to show support for the family in this case, you know, this case, and then the families of Humboldt. It, it had very similar feels, um, you know, obviously terrible situations all around, but uh, everyone came together and it was, um, you know, there was some positives coming out of it. Now, I, I knew Caver from, you know, playing in Swift and stuff. And, you know, the, the one thing that I can always connect with him was, you know, he was one of those guys who, you know, he worked his ass off, obviously. He was grateful for everything. But he was also someone who, like, you can literally ask anyone. And, and I don't think I've ever heard someone say a bad word about him. You know, he, he was just one of those, you know, the, the good people of hockey, the good Saskatchewan boys. What do you remember about Colby and I mean just just your interactions with him. Yeah, I mean always <laughs> smiling ear to ear, happy to be you know playing the the game that he loved and happy to be around the boys. Um, that being said, I mean he took he took his craft very seriously and he was always working his peg off, you know. And um, yeah, just to see a. You know, yeah, he was. You're right. He was a hardworking, honest, typical kind of Saskatchewan kid, and it was, uh, yeah, just a, a great guy to be around. And um, you know, a huge shame that, that we lost him. And I, I mean, obviously, you're a former Oiler, and I, I work up here now. And you know, seeing how how the Oilers have responded to this, you know, with you know the Oilers Foundation helping out, you know, they're 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 doing so much. They they're really rallying a lot around it and uh, trying to make the most out of this situation. Um, I mean, from your connection up to to Edmonton, I mean, are you were you surprised to see the support that really this you know the city community's done? At all, I mean, Edmonton's always done a really good job with, um, you know, supporting the community and you know, and and helping 
fund and um, you know support different foundations and causes and um, you know it's you know the ones you know once in order always in order uh, mentality that they have you know that's not just a, a sign in the wall it's you know they actually take that to heart and, um, yeah it's, it's great what they're doing and uh, but that being said I'm not surprised that they're you know being so classy and, and doing so many positive things with this. Eric Greiba, our guest on World Hockey Report. Eric, let, let, let's, let's switch gears a little bit here. I mean, you know, you, you said you're in Saskatchewan. Obviously, things have been uh, shut down a little bit uh, due, due to the COVID coronavirus. But what's life been like, you know, post-hockey for you? Obviously, I mean, now that you're retired, I, I see you step out in the senior game a little bit, so you, you get uh, that, that experience still of Saskatchewan. But what have you been up to? Yeah, I've been uh, spending a lot more time with my family, um, you know, exploring a couple of different ventures or different things that I can get into next. Um, yeah, you know, I took a lot of time to hunt this fall and just kind of decompress and, um, you know, analyze and assess where I'm at and where I want to get to. And, um, no, it's been, it's been good. It's been, obviously, this COVID has affected everybody, and, um, you know, I was, starting to ramp up on a couple of things but we had to you know put those on pause and that's uh that's part of it no one's no one's immune to uh to the you know the effects of this this uh covid situation being being you know you know post career you said hunting something um you know obviously that's big in saskatchewan but like you know what where, where are you going are you going on trips to hunt you know is this something that's kind of re- replaced that that day-to-day hockey routine lifestyle or or you know kind of where or how did you get into hunting oh i got into hunting when i was a kid um and i've been doing it for you know any opportunity i can um since then uh, well, I have a TV show on Wild TV up up here, um, and it's a hunting, cooking television show. And actually, right now, it's free for people to watch on Wild TV. Wild TV is a free free channel right now, um, so yeah, people can check that out. Um, yeah, and it's been fun. I, I kind of do a little bit of traveling for hunting. I'm planning on hunting Saskatchewan um, this fall, this spring and fall. Uh, if the seasons are even open, because it might not be because of COVID, but plan on sticking around here because I haven't been able to hunt it for for a few years because of hockey. So um, yeah, plan on sticking close to home. But that being said, I mean, there's some there's some plans to do some some traveling around the world and then in the next couple of years to uh, do some different hunting trips. Now, with your transition into, you know, wild TV and things like that, did, did you know that was something that you always wanted to kind of be in with? Like, you know, it's a touch in the media world there, but like, you know, it's kind of something a little bit out of the loop. You know, it's not, you're, you're not sitting behind a sports desk or anything. Like, how, how did that come about? Yeah, it just um, it came about pretty organically. I was doing a lot of cooking stuff on my, my Instagram, and then, um, yeah, I kind of transitioned that into a, or an opportunity came my way to transition from just a straight social media um, platform to, you know, getting on some television. And, uh, yeah, it's been good. It's been a learning curve, but it's been, been a lot of fun showing people, you know, the wild game is uh, delicious and there's, you know, a lot, of, a lot of different ways you can cook it and utilize it. And, um, and, and just to kind of show that not every – Every hunter is just a blood-hungry killer. I mean, I like to use all the animal, and I respect the animals. And um, yeah, it's just been—it's it, been a—it's been good to kind of—I feel to show people that um, 
you know, like hunters are conservationists, and we want to uh, we respect these animals, and we love eating them. So, no, that's awesome. It's not it's not Tiger King up in Saskatchewan. A little bit of a different no, world. No. Did you dive <laughs> no, down that rabbit hole? Have you seen that? Oh, that is just pure television gold. I don't know how that even like came. Like it's something that I've never actually heard about. So obviously, like you watch the first episode, you're kind of like, yeah, it's all right. Then all of a sudden, you you just right into it. Well, I mean, after every single episode, I'm just sitting there scratching my head, like, how is this real life? How is this? How are the people? Like, it just there's so many different levels of like messed upness about it that it's yeah, it's hard to comprehend. But God, is it? It's great to watch. See, see, when someone calls a person from Saskatchewan a redneck, you kind of laugh at it. But after watching Tiger King, I think everyone should probably know where the real rednecks are at because that was just like the the most. I mean, it's incoherent. You can't even understand actually what goes on in each episode. You're just like, this is so insane. I got to keep watching. Oh my god, it's it's unbelievable. Like. Yeah, I mean, you just you can't stop, can't stop watching. I think I'm gonna rewatch it because I just I think there's probably things that I missed, and I uh, yeah, I, I need I need to rewatch it. My that stupid song, my wife song, my wife my wife watches TikTok. And that, that Carol Baskin song is like always stuck in my head. What is it? Killer husband whacked him. <laughs> Though that's yeah, I mean TikTok the the also that's you know. Everyone's getting through COVID with that. I think I'm haven't been on that one yet, but I know uh, you know. No, I haven't either. Yeah. But I am. Uh, watch the odd one that my wife, wife shows me. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a daily oh. daily sit down to watch the TikToks. Eric, I wanted to ask you a couple of hockey questions as well. You, I know you played contacts. I'll, I'll spit on the ground here, just saying that. How did you get down to the states? How did you get down to the U show? And then obviously you went to Boston. Um. Yeah. So I was I was playing midget hockey in Saskatoon. Except for the contact, um, I was drafted to the WHL, and I uh, I was getting so starting to get some college interest when I was kind of 16, 17 years old, and uh, we basically said to the WHL, um, or I think it was to Portland, um, if you can guarantee my education money for more than a year after I'm done, or I forget what the rule was then. Maybe if you played a certain amount of pro games, that money was gone. Like if my parents were like, hey, if you can guarantee the kid like five years, like give him a shot if he wants to try pro, but then, you know, give him five years to utilize that money. And they're like, no, we can't do it. So they're like, okay. And then I went, started, like I said, got some more college attention. Um, had an opportunity down in the USHL to go play for Green Bay. And the amount of scholarships out of that league is much higher than any other junior uh, junior A League in, uh, in in Washington, North America. So went there, um, got recruited to Boston University, went there as a true freshman. We won a national championship my third year, my junior year, and uh, graduated with a business degree. And yes, and then played pro for nine or ten years, whatever it was. Nine years. Yeah. That, that's impressive so, that you said no to Portland because back in those days they were – I mean, they, they weren't afraid to, let's say, commit to, to whatever needed to be offered. But do you, do you think, you know, obviously being a you know bigger, tougher defenseman, do you think going the college route kind of helped you round out your game a little bit better? Um, I think so. I think it gave me more time to develop, especially my skating. 
Um, I think I'm not sure if I mean I don't I couldn't I don't know for sure, but I'm not sure if I would have been ready to to jump into the pro game as like a 20 year old. Um, I might have been after you know if I went the major junior route, or maybe I, I wasn't. But um, you know I needed to work on my skating, and I think going to college gave me that time to to work on that craft and work on that part of my game, and um, you know which eventually you know helped me I think become a more rounded and complete player. Now, what which party was more fun? Winning a you won a Calder, correct? In the American yeah, League. So what what was better, yeah. winning winning a national championship or winning a Calder Cup? Oh, I think the national championship. That would have been pretty was, crazy at BU. Yeah, that, that was that was pretty wild. It a pretty legendary party too. Were you, um, was that uh, the, was that the incredible comeback against Miami? Yeah. No, no way. I I see that video on you know social media every day i what was it like playing in that game that i guess we got a couple minutes here i'll finish off with that one what was it like i mean what there was like a minute left and you guys are down by two yeah a minute left i think we scored with 50 some seconds left and then to make it three two and then scored i think with 18 seconds left to tie it and then we won it in overtime and yeah i mean that was pretty pretty surreal i mean there was a lot of a lot of stories from the other side. I know that they already had the um, the trophy, hats, and T-shirts in the Miami room. No way. It was three-one with you know minutes left. Uh, so I know the president of the school had like all this. Yeah, had all the swag and the scratches had their hats, and then all of a sudden we score, and they're like, "Ooh!" And then we scored again. Like, hey, we need all that stuff back because that can't get out. So they took all the stuff back from them and then we wanted <clears throat> wanted overtime and we went to the bar later that night and we showed her like maybe it was a restaurant or something but anyway we were, we were out to eat or something and we're kind of obviously celebrating and uh there's like 16 bottles of open champagne we're like oh so we're like cool and we asked the bartender what's, what's up with this they're like oh some guy ordered all these bottles of champagne and he was in miami dad or fan or whatever and then like literally and paid for it all and had them opened ready to go and we won it over time we just walked out no way that's that is wild (laughs) hey eric i appreciate i appreciate you coming on the show that was awesome i we didn't even get a dip into your any chalk or anything maybe we'll have to have you on uh later on here we got uh maybe maybe later this summer we'll get you on to talk more but hey i appreciate it i appreciate everything you've done you know helping get the word out for caver that's you know that that means more to a lot of people and i think you know you'll, you'll know there so yet again thanks for coming on world hockey report this morning really appreciate that awesome thanks for having me on take care Eric Greib, a former Oiler, our guest on World Hockey Report. Wow. <laughs> a, he's going to have stories for days. We'll have to get him on later on this time. That was awesome. All right, the commercial break when we come back. Let's talk some West Coast hockey with Rob Fay right here on 12 Ounce Sports. It's World Hockey Report coming to you live on 12 Ounce Sports. Cody Jansen with you here. It's Wednesday, April 15th, 9.41, local time. Of course, show brought to you by mybookie.ag. Use promo code 120ZSports, and they'll match your deposit up to $1,000. Alrighty, West Coast, let's talk some hockey. We got the man Rob Fay on the line. Rob, how's it going? What are you up to nowadays? 
the only thing I can say is when you called to do this interview, I was more than ready to do it because there's not a lot else to do. <laughs> that seems like everyone's answer for this. Obviously, I mean, a, a lot of things have been uh, affected by COVID and, you know, there, there's definitely more time than, than ever for people. And I think that kind of, that's what I mean. Your, your role in media, everyone's role in media is, you know, this is your time to entertain. I think the audiences are up there. I think it's something where, you know, people are, are looking to consume entertainment more than ever. Yeah, you know, the one thing that I've learned in this COVID experience is just you can't just eat the low-hanging fruit anymore. You've got to do some research, you've got to do some work, and you've got to find a way to push that boulder down the road a little bit further. So it's actually been a blessing in disguise, I think, for me as a broadcaster because instead of just reciting scores and just the easy stuff, now you've got to start to try and really elaborate and think of things that maybe you didn't think of bringing forward before. So... Um, as crazy as it sounds, it pushed me as a journalist and as a broadcaster, and I've quite enjoyed it. Now, I mean, with with everything that you do, especially around the, the baseball landscape, too, that's been pushed pushed back. I mean, I'm assuming you're going to be behind the mic for, for the Canadians again, correct? Yeah, I mean, it'll be my 15th season with the Vancouver Canadians, and boy, I'll tell you, baseball's got no shortness of stories, because if you've been following baseball on any level... Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball, they're not getting along. Of course, COVID's got everybody stopped. And for some reason, baseball thinks that they're going to be the first sport back to the party. So uh, when it comes to stories, everything from the Blue Jays to uh, people coming up here to Vancouver wondering if Major League Baseball is a possibility, there has been no shortness of storylines when it comes to my sport in particular. Oh, it's, I mean... It's something else, and especially, I'd say one of the, the bigger issues with baseball is it, it's almost like golf where there's a good amount of social distancing, but it's not completely perfect, right? Like, I, I would say that a lot of people go, oh, I mean, there's not really much close contact in baseball, but end of the day, I mean, any contact is almost too close with all the measures being put in place. Yeah, I mean, you think of baseball in the nine positions, nobody's really beside each other. I think the only thing that I've heard when they think of all these changes that they're looking to implement that I'm not 100% on board with is the fact that they wanted to use an artificial umpire so that there wasn't an umpire crouching behind a catcher. To me, I don't think you need to overthink the process. I do think that maybe even, you know, trying to find a happy medium but taking an umpire, an official, out of the game makes no sense to me when it comes to balls and strikes. So if that's the worst thing that baseball's got to worry about, I think it'll be fine. But I'm watching Taiwan very closely because their league has started, and um, they're, they've been pretty creative. So I think if baseball is truly watching what's going on overseas, that they might be able to pull this off. Always interesting insight. Rob Fay, you're on the West Coast. we got to talk some Canucks. It's, it was uh... – I would say not surprisingly positive season, but I think there's a lot of bright spots in it. Now, I mean, obviously, with, with your coverage, you got to follow them a good amount. What was your thoughts on the the year that was so far? I mean, I'm not I'm not uh, you know a pessimist saying hey they got to cancel the NHL season tonight. But what was your thoughts on the Canucks season up to you know the the point of stoppage? Well, I actually thought it was a great season for the Vancouver Canucks on a number of fronts. One, they solidified their answer as to who their number one goaltender was. Um, this was a team that was still quote-unquote, and I'll use those air quotation marks, they were still in a rebuild. So the fact that they were pushing towards a playoff spot maybe a year early uh, 
gives people a lot of hope. Now, they don't have the depth to get through the playoffs, but they've at least got a bona fide number one defenseman. They've got two top-flight scorers when healthy and Elias Pedersen. And I still believe in Brock Besser, but really with Brock Besser's fall-off because of injuries this year, J.T. Miller stepped up. And if you were to ask me who the team MVP was this year, I wouldn't even let you finish your sentence because Miller, who of course was acquired for a first-rounder out of Tampa Bay, uh, exceeded everybody's expectations. In the first 15 games of the season, he was the straw that stirred the drink. And once everybody else caught up, the Pedersons got going, the Horvats got going, Miller was a beautiful complimentary piece. So I like this team, but they've got some major cap issues coming up this offseason. And now with COVID-19 and perhaps that uh, cap floating around a little bit more than anybody expects, those questions are only magnified. And so, with changes that would need to be made this offseason, whenever that does happen, what do you think is the priority? I mean, I know you kind of brought up depth a little bit, but, you know, that that's not just a, a one-move wonder or a free agency fix. Like, you know, as you said, there's, you know, there's a lot of different pieces that have to be made, but, I mean, what do you think needs to be addressed first? Yeah, well, yeah, that's great because I was going to say in no particular order, but uh, the reality is is I think you've got you to figure out what you're doing with Jacob Markstrom. Because if you're going to keep him, you're going to have to pay him. And if you're going to pay him, that's probably going to cost you Tyler Toffoli, who, of course, the Canucks picked up for the Los Angeles Kings. That was a poll question that I ran the other day, and it ran 50-50 with more than 1,000 votes. Because I think with Tyler Toffoli, you've got a bona fide top six. You've got two lines that can score. And I think in the NHL, you know you've got to have that if you're going to go anywhere. They've got depth at goaltending, so I don't know if I'd make that priority one. But the glaring hole for me is defense. They just, outside of Quinn Hughes, too many question marks for me. Because, sure, you can have a couple 30-goal scorers at the top end, and you can have a decent goaltender trying to, you know, keep you in games. But if you've got a defense that's got holes all around it, it's really all for naught. So if I was to prioritize, I'd go defense, I'd go goaltending, and then I'd try to find one more sniper in the draft. Now, the NHL is kind of at a standstill right now with them looking at ways to proceed with this season. Um, for, from your perspective, I mean, I'm sure you, you've sat around, took some time to think about how you'd want to see this go out. What's your thoughts? Because, you know, this this affects more teams than just, you know, the, the Bostons and St. Louis's at the top. This this affects draft, like, spots, everything above that. How do you want to see the, the NHL play out this season and, and kind of go about well, I've used one word consistently, and that's the integrity of the game. I know that's more than one word, but integrity is what I would hone in on. You know, I've seen everything from maybe they should do a tournament to maybe they should do a round robin. Maybe they should let more teams in, but a shorter series. To me, the beauty of the NHL Stanley Cup is that it is a gauntlet that you have to go through to get to it. And as much as I would like to see the NHL appease its fans, especially in several markets like some that you mentioned, to me, I'm all about the five games and the seven-game series, and I just don't believe that the NHL needs to cut its nose off here despite its face. So if they can't get a season in and they can't get a postseason in, I'm okay with that because the world has come to a stop. This isn't just the NHL trying to hit the panic button. Everybody, everywhere has stopped. So if you were to say, you know what, guys, 2020, we're not going to award a Stanley Cup because we don't want to wreck the integrity of the game and all of a sudden have a best of three or a, a, a round robin or a bracket, I'm okay with that as well. Interesting take, and I like it. I mean, I, I like hearing the, the different sides. I mean, 
being a being a former hockey player myself, I do. I, I think that a seven game series is the only way it should be done. Unless, I mean, you're going to throw out something. I, I've been very open to to a March Madness style bracket. If the if the NHL players say, "Hey, we got to do whatever it takes to get a cup down," I think that, you know it should ultimately come down to to their say because you know. Are you going? Are you willing to push the season into late September? I don't know if players are. I don't know if that you know comes down to contracts, come down to preparing for next season. I think there's a lot of question marks. But yeah, I mean, canceling the season has to be on the table. That's that's definitely up there. But for for your perspective, then how do you follow it up with the the draft order? Do you do you kind of if it's to be canceled, say today? Do you roll the teams back to 68 and kind of just go in order? You know, is the lottery still existent? How how do you get around that fact? Because obviously a lot of teams aren't in the actual hunt for the cup. Yeah, I mean, I, as far as the draft goes, I would leave it that it is the way that it was when the, you know, the season was put on freeze. I would leave it as, you know, Detroit's got the best chance to win the draft lottery. Um, you know, the bottom feeders still going to have their opportunities to, you know, start to restock. I mean, I look at Ottawa, for example. There's a team that's got 13 draft picks this coming draft. Obviously, in a hurry, they could turn that franchise around if they do a good job at the table. But I also sit around and I say to myself, the draft is where you can get creative. The playoffs are where you got to stand pat. And I also think to myself, if I'm a team that's right in the middle right now, like, for example, Vancouver or Edmonton or Calgary, these are teams right now that – I would say are, tro- are, are probably having a really tough time figuring out what they're going to do with their picks because now I, I look at Jim Benning in Vancouver in particular. He loves going overseas. He loves finding those you know rocks that haven't been turned over yet. But if you can't travel to the States or to Sweden or to these places where he's found these great talents over the last couple of years, now all of a sudden you're really going to have to rely on analytic, which is something that I don't think – any general manager wants to do without doing an eye test. So that's, to me, the only caveat when it comes to the draft and why I think some people might just want to keep it the way that it is because at least it's some semblance of familiarity going on, going into a very unfamiliar draft because you don't get to see the players that you might be taking. You brought up a couple of prospects. So I'm, I'm going to ask you about two. It's a two-part question just because I got two right on the top of my mind. What's your thoughts yeah. on not just the development, but, you know, even the potential ceiling of a, a couple of guys? You know, you got DiPietro and Net. That's, you know, Michael's been, you know, he was a great junior goaltender. And then you've got Cole Lind as well, another, you know, standout junior player. What's your thoughts with them moving forward in Vancouver? Yeah, well, Cole Lind's clock has long started. And, and that's a guy that come, you know, training camp next year is really going to have to show that he's ready to make that jump. It's a team that's still got a couple of opportunities, not so many as they had a couple of years ago. But Cole's, it, it's about time to go, or else, in my estimation, he just wears the tag of asset. And I could see him getting moved next year if the Canucks don't go all in on him. So the progress needs to be bold for him this offseason. With Mikey DiPietro, goaltenders always have a little extra rope because of the position itself. I'm in no rush, but the beauty of having DiPietro in the pocket is it gives a little more flexibility for Jim Benning when it comes to what is he going to do with Thatcher Demko and what is he going to do with Jacob Markstrom. Got to remember, there's an expansion draft that's coming up as well, and it's long been cited that if they don't lock up both those goaltenders, that one of them, unprotected, is going to end up in Seattle. So the benefit of having Mikey DiPietro 
multiple people that Di Pietro is multiple years away from truly being ready for the grind of the NHL. So that's why I think it's going to force the hand to perhaps re-sign Jacob Markstrom, even if it costs them Tyler Toffoli. Interesting. Love the analysis. Rob Fay, our guest here on World Hockey Report. Rob, I know you, I mean, obviously the, the whole esports industry and, you know, NHL video games have taken off. You've done a lot of work with EA in the past. You know, walk, walk me through, how did you get involved in that? And kind of what was that like, you know, doing voiceover work, you know, on, you know, being the biggest hockey video game in the world? Yeah, my first game that I voiced for EA Sports NHL Hockey was 2011, and uh, it was really just kind of out of the blue, because one of the executive producers on that game is Sean Ramjag Singh, and I used to be the public address announcer way back in the day at Simon Fraser University when he played basketball. So to be able to articulate his last name, which is a bit of a mouthful, um, was something that he always remembered. Combine it with the fact that I was a local guy, easy to go to Burnaby, which is 20 minutes away from where I live, and they brought me in for the audition. I auditioned. I didn't even really take it serious because I knew who some of the hockey voices that were in there. And lo and behold, my audition held up, and they called me, and I was on a one-year contract. The fact that I ended up getting 10-plus years out of it um, is something that I really look back on because my kids, who are now 17 and 15, when I first took that gig, we're seven and five. And so having a dad who was on one of the video games that their friends played was instant currency in the classroom. Yeah, no kidding. That's unreal. That's uh, that's a very cool thing to, to kind of... I mean, here's the backstory of really how you got involved. Um, what's what's some of the next steps for you then? I mean, I, I know kind of the, the whole radio industry, it's taken its turn in Vancouver there's been a lot of changes of recent but I mean for for you personally I mean where can where can fans followers kind of connect with you next or where where do you think that's going to lead you uh you know what right now with the baseball stuff I've got one of the most unique jobs I think in Canada in the fact that I've worked this year for two different radio stations on purpose um in the off season I worked for TSN 1040 here in Vancouver um, and I had my own show, Rob Fay Nation Radio, which was a nightly show, and it was really well-received, which I was really humbled about. And then, in April, I stopped doing my job at TSN, and I go to Sportsnet. So imagine that, working at TSN, stopping, walking across the street, and working at the competition, which is, um, you know, not normal, but I've got a lot of people that support me in a lot of different corners of this industry, and they just said, look, man, you're going to be doing baseball in the summer. You can do your own thing, hockey, everything else in the off season." And that's how I've essentially paced together my, my year. So if baseball doesn't work out, I've got a safety net. And if baseball does work out, I'm at the stadium and ready to rock. Hey, Rob, you're one of the finest in the industry. I really appreciate you coming on. Always look forward to following you, listening to whatever you're up to next. I mean, I mean best of luck. Hopefully that baseball season comes sooner rather than later. But really appreciate you coming on the show this morning. Anytime. Thank you for having me. Rob Fay, our guest here on World Hockey Report. What a great interview. One of the finest media personalities from the West Coast. I mean, everything. He's covered hockey, baseball, TSN sports. And as he said, you know, he's, he's been the voice of NHL on EA Sports. Really cool to have him on. Yet again, cycling back. Big thanks to Eric Griba. I know that's a tough one. I mean, talking about 
Caver, you know, Colby Cave, that's uh, that's a story that really it shocked the hockey world. Caught everyone off guard. That was, uh, you know, a, a tough one. So yet again, from everyone at World Hockey Board, thoughts and prayers go out to them, the family, everyone affected, his wife, Emily, everyone, everyone about that. But again, thank you, Eric Greiber, Rob Fay, for coming on. It's Wednesday, April 5th, 958 Pete's Power Place is coming up next here on 12-Ounce Sports. That's it for me. I will see you back here next week. World Hockey Report, Cody Jansen, 12-Ounce Sports, signing out. Have a good Wednesday. 